Welcome to Thawhack. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Thought Hack. Uh, really quick, I'd like to shout out our, our sponsors and our partners, Catalyst Case. Uh, I, 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 what can I say about this company that I haven't already said? I use these cases in real life. And um, Clay, whenever you get the chance, um, I'm going to have them send some stuff out to you. Um, cool. So hopefully you, you dig it as much as I do. Um, my guest this week is Clay Mosley. I'm saying that properly, right? That's it. Clay Clay uh, Mosley, and you're the founder of Get Dripify. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. So it's it, the company's just called Dripify, but my my Dripify. URL the Instagram is, is Get Dripify. Yeah, and and Instagram. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to figure out where to start because I I did some research and it's so much I want to talk about. I feel like I want to plug Dripify, which is like the point of these things. But I do want to talk about like what you're doing in the CBD space. So uh, I, I don't know where you'd want to start. That's interesting. Uh, usually when I come on these podcasts, it's, uh, it's usually about marketing. Um, and it's <laughs> you're the first one that's actually mentioned CBD. <laughs> uh yeah can talk so about marketing. i'm totally I, i'm totally down for talking right. about cbd or whatever right. um right. so yeah let's give it a go all right so let's let's start with marketing let's let's get the the marketing stuff out the way because i mean marketing has always traditionally looked like i guess when people think marketing they're thinking like a madman kind of environment whereas the reality is closer to what we're doing like you know a couple of guys hanging out in t-shirts and hoodies and and sort of figuring out how to quantify x y and z what drew you to marketing i was actually a marketing major in college by the way so oh cool um yeah and so i use none of that <laughs> and that the way it goes uh yeah. I, I actually don't have a marketing degree i have a uh, an IT degree, and I don't use that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically how I got into it was, uh, uh, so after I graduated college, I spent 10 years um, job hopping, basically. I've worked every kind of job. Uh, it seems like, um, at least that's what it felt like. I've worked everything from HVAC, like heating and air, to uh, construction, to engineering, to insurance. Uh, so all kinds of stuff. And then I I, um, kind of one little tidbit is that I got fired from most of those jobs. Um, not, not, not for lack of work is mostly just one of those things where like I work for corporate. Um, and I, if it took five steps, I did it, I did it in two steps. And so like my, my bosses didn't really like that. Um, and so for the last time I got fired from a job, uh, luckily I had been dabbling part-time in website design and development. And so uh, back in 2015, that was that was the last time I had a job. Uh, I said, I think I'm pretty much unemployable at this point. And so I, I decided to go freelancer yeah. and, and become a web developer. And so that's what I did. Um, and then from there, I started adding on marketing services just for sake of demand. Um, and that's kind of what, uh, you know, that was back in 2015. That's from, from then until now. That's kind of what I'm known for now is marketing. Uh, so it's kind of, I kind of got like, I kind of got, uh, my back up against the wall. So that that's really mm. the short answer of how I got into marketing. Mm. It's funny because my first company was an IT company. Oh, how funny. <laughs> Which is crazy. Um, I, I feel like marketing used to be viewed as this one thing, right? Yeah. You're marketing, you're making commercials, you're making billboards. And because of the internet, because of social media, the way brands work now, because of streaming platforms, marketing's taken on this whole other thing, this whole other meaning. How how do you think the internet has like democratized marketing? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, like, like kind of like what you said before, it's like a lot of people 
they might think of marketing as like Mad Men um, kind of styles, like nothing but promotion, promotion. Um, I think the internet has, and, and we're actually about to go through another change in my opinion, but um, I think the internet has changed marketing in the, in the fact that it's, I think it's, it's access. Um, so people have access to more things. They have access to more people. Um, so back in the day, it was, it was much more difficult to access people. So, and what I mean by that, it, it's, it was much harder to, um, to put an advertisement on a billboard or a television commercial or a radio ad or a magazine ad or something like that. Because you had to, you had to go through the creative process. You had to work with these companies that actually did that. Um, nowadays, access is easy. Like anybody can go on social media and post something and then hit a little button that says, okay, hit promote on this, on this piece of content. Um, and so like access is, I think the biggest, the biggest change here, but also when it comes to access, it's, it's access to two way conversation. And so back then it was one way, it was one way advertising and now it's two way. So, uh, and it's been two way for a while since, since like 2005, I guess you could say, give or take, um, back when social media was first coming on the scene. And so I, I'd say that's probably the, the, the two biggest changes when it comes to marketing for sure. So you said another change is coming. Um, I don't want to get too ahead of you. I don't know if you're referring to the metaverse or the NFTs and so on and so forth. I, I, see the, I see the practical applications of that. I see how people can sort of, once you thought like, okay, this is it, there's no more possible advertising real estate that could, that could possibly exist this comes out what are your ideas or predictions in terms of the way people are going to find new ways to uh, market themselves or market products in the metaverse uh so the the metaverse is something that's super new um and at, at least to the general public um and i guess technically speaking it's new but uh, i always do you remember uh do you remember second life yeah I do. I was actually going to use that example. If you played video games, like the idea of a metaverse isn't too foreign to you. When you have uh, communities like um, I would say The Sims, when you have Second Life, when you have yeah. even people that have played um, World of Warcraft to a degree, mm -hmm. I, I think yeah. that it's not too foreign of an idea to people who've already like existed in these spaces. Yeah, it's not too foreign of an idea to a certain group of people. I think to the general public, it is um, to the mass, the masses, right? Um, but like, especially to gamers, it's not. It's not anything new. E even when it comes to NFTs, right? Because you can purchase NFTs inside video games, and that's. Been, I think that's been around for a little bit. Um, and so that that's not. It's not anything new. I think the difference is, is that they're they're bringing it to the masses, and um, it, it's something that's. Uh, you know, a lot of people are thinking it's 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 sort of a fad. As of right now, and I think it's, you know, I, I don't think it is, but uh, I think people are saying that because they don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I, I would, I'll, I'll completely admit, I don't completely understand all of that, 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 all that stuff uh, myself uh, when it comes to NFTs and like uh, crypto and virtual real estate and things like that. But I think this is the next wave uh, of, of uh, marketing because. I think it builds more of a sense of community to uh, beyond the next level. Uh, so like, you know, whenever social media came around, okay, it went from one way communication to two way, right? People can have conversations back and forth, like commenting, replying back to each other, messaging, right? Um, and now it's all about living in a virtual world uh, and being in a community that way. And, um, and, you know, so that's, that's a, an extra step beyond two way communication. So, um, I think that's, that, that's what I think is the next wave now, as far as like, kind of going back to your question is how, like, we think that there's, we're running out of ways of like marketing, uh, platforms. I think we, I think just te as technology keeps going, 
we're always going to continue coming up with new things and new new methods of advertising and marketing. I don't know what those things will be, uh, but but I think it, we will continue to evolve for sure. It's it's tricky because to a certain degree we're we're almost like we're we're saturated to a degree when it comes to ads. We're surrounded by them. I can't tell you the last time I really looked at a billboard. I drive by them all the time, but like mm-hmm. at this point, I kind of just tune or block them out. When when you're cycling through Instagram and you see a native ad and it feels like, you know, it's somebody's post or something, I feel like stuff like that's super effective when you have an awesome piece of content and you you're being advertised or you're being sold to without feeling like you're being sold to is is like a really effective and and cool way to do it but mm-hmm. outside of that too is just like I'm I see ads all the time I don't pay attention um mm-hmm. commercials on TV are if you even watch TV anymore are just cues to go use the bathroom or grab something out of the fridge <laughs> for sure how how do you how do you propose people make people care about things that they they otherwise wouldn't care about in regards to advertising. I need you to check out this product. I need you to know this exists. I need you to consider buying it or using this service. How do I get you to care? Man, I think that I think it's a two prong approach. This is a really good question because I think um and I I don't know when this is this is gonna this episode's gonna air, but I think it'll still be relevant. Um, so I think we're going through through a change right now or an economic change. So like I think in the next uh, eight to, to 16 months, we're going to we're going to see an economic correction to where and I promise there's a point to this um, mm. where the middle class is going to uh, they're going. What's the word? Um, they're going to struggle even more than they are now. And so you know, I'm just providing context for my answer to your question. So like, so going to your question, how do we get, how do we get those people? How do we get consumers to care? I think one is we have to be way, way more creative in, in our advertising. And so what I mean by that, we cannot keep doing, like people cannot keep doing the same thing over and over again, what they've been doing. And also they cannot be doing the same thing as their competitors. They need to come up with something different a little bit bold um and a a little bit more risky um and that's what's going to get somebody's attention now the second thing i would say is uh quantity so not only do they need to do something more uh, do something different and be bold but they also need to probably 10x the 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 you know the content and the messages that they're they're currently putting out there um, and then the third thing is, and I think this is the most important thing, is they need to focus on the experience. And so how this relates to the economic correction and as far as the middle class, um, the middle class is going to be um, uh, struggling is I think small businesses or just really all businesses need to start catering to the affluent. So people who have lots and lots of money. And what do those people want? Those people want an experience. They don't want, uh, they don't want to save money. Okay. So like they don't want a nickel and dime. Those, those people don't like, they don't care about that. They have a lot of money. So they want, they want a good experience. And so, um, it's going to be all about the experience. And so how that plays into marketing is, okay, what are the things in the experience when someone first buys your product or your service? What are the things that you can do in retention marketing or what I call experience marketing to get those people to absolutely remember the experience and and stay completely loyal to a brand uh, and even better to rave on about a brand or their product or service. So that's what I think people need need to start doing is like, okay, how do I... How do I up my game to become more of like a uh, a memorable or luxury experience? So those are the three things I think uh, businesses need to start doing with their marketing right now. 
experiential marketing, I think has always been like a no brainer. I, I, Mm. some companies don't do it. I I remember, um, Gary V had, uh, a thing he was talking about. I think he was talking about Toys R Us and he mentioned that one of the things they could have did relatively easily was create something experiential outside of the normal toy buying process. Mm -hmm. So if, if you saw something in the way of, and I don't, I don't know where, you, where you're located now. There's um, I'm in there's Austin. Plenty of, yeah, I was actually just out in Texas a couple months ago. Um, nice. If uh, there's a, I forget the name of it. There's this place where it's just wall to wall trampolines, right? And there's a uh, oh, yeah. funplex. There's a bunch of places like that where, like, you know, kids go to have a good time. If you were to create a space where kids can go and there's stuff to do and there's programming and so on and so forth, I think it would change fundamentally what your business was. Um, I've done experiential marketing stuff. I've done activations disguised as, like, parties and gaming events and so on and so forth. And... Little do you know you're you're being exposed to this product, but you're having a good time, so you're not even really thinking about it. The yeah, other no, that's component, true. The other component to the experiential things that um, we've we've done in the past was we really lean into um, the culture of whatever it is we're we're doing. We we try our best to lock into uh the culture and whatever whether it's like um gaming or whether it's um hip-hop or whatever it is we're doing we we want to be as honest and as authentic to the the crowd or the audience or the the target market as possible so they come in and it doesn't feel foreign this feels comfortable i know this this feels Mm -hmm. like home how how do you feel culture plays a role in in marketing and what do you think companies can do to not get it wrong? Yeah, I think culture is super important. Um, I think this, whether people know it or not, I think this has always been, this has always been a play or always been a factor uh, for decades. Um, people, consumers want to, they want to buy a product or service either knowingly or subconsciously uh, from a company that they themselves would enjoy actually being around. You know what I mean? So like if they, if they see themselves uh, enjoy, like if they see themselves like, Oh yeah. I like, like if I, if I were to, if I, if I were to like follow a company on social media and I like, and they, they do a really good, uh, a really good job of showcasing their culture, what it's like behind the scenes behind like of the people behind the brand. Like that would make me as a consumer go, Oh, like that would be really cool to work there. Right. And if if I start thinking this, this kind of mindset about a brand, like I am probably going to buy their product. Um, So I think this is, this is super important. So like what, what businesses can do, I don't know why, like, like a lot most businesses that i that i consult for they are afraid to show what it's like behind the scenes of their company mm. i don't know why that is um they tend to do very commercial very polished content and i'm like let's show show what it's like show what it's like to actually be behind the scenes show the people show the culture this is to me key And it doesn't make sense to a lot of people because they're like, well, how is this going to get me more sales? Like, because they start thinking like Mad Men style, like I should be promoting my stuff more. But the reality is the more they show their culture, I think the more that people are going to actually start to want to buy their product or the service. There's a trust factor there. There is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's trust. It's likability. I think that's what it is. Um, and so then this also goes with, with what I had just talked about with experience, right? Um, so if you can get people to kind of, you know, feel like they're a part of your culture without being part of your culture, like that's, that's key. And then not only will you get them to buy your, buy your stuff, like they'll, they'll stay forever. So when you look at, um, 
I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Pepsi did a commercial with uh, Kendall Jenner and they got like, you know, this, this backlash mm-hmm. um, because I guess um, around the time it was happening, people kind of took it as them trivializing uh, the protests and so on and so forth. Mm. How, like, where do you think they went wrong there? Like, how do you feel like they, they took a, where did they take the wrong turn? How could they have figured that out? and not have gotten the backlash. I would imagine they spent like like unreasonable amounts of money to get that shot and for it to yeah. blow up in their face like that. Um this uh you know I I would have to go and remind remind myself of that campaign. Uh mm-hmm. I imagine though it probably comes down to knowing um who she represented, right? Um and who that doesn't match with with uh, Pepsi's audience, right? Um, I it also reminds me of. Uh, do you remember when? Um, do you remember when Gap tried to rebrand? Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Which <They> time? Re- <laughs> right. Uh, this I'm talking about like a few years ago, like the yeah. most re- most recent. I think I don't remember what year it was. Maybe like five, six, seven years ago. I could be way off. Um, I just remember this being in the headline and they tried to rebrand and like the, everybody was like, they went, they went, uh, they went nuts over it, like in a bad way. And so Gap decided to not do the rebrand. They went back to their old logo and everything. So I think it all comes down to what, and this is really with anything with anything with marketing, it all comes down to what message or what image are you going to portray in a campaign? Um, and does it match with the audience? Does it match with the audience? And so if there's a mismatch there, you know, then uh, you're going to have some backlash. Right. And so I, I don't think, I don't think there was enough proper research done. I, I don't know if, if she was just like, and she still is, she's like super major influencer. So I don't know if Pepsi was just thinking, Oh, we'll, we'll just, uh, you know, as long as she's a major influencer, it'll be fine. You know what I mean? I mean, I think, I think what happens is this is where marketing is the one place where when you have conversations about diversity, where you kind of want different people in the room. I think you want people of different backgrounds. I think you want women in the room. I think you want different people involved because someone's got to be in the room and say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. That's just kind of a bad idea. But if yeah. everyone is sort of in the same space and everyone thinks alike, there's no one to basically, you, you have an echo chamber. You're basically making decisions in a silo and no one's basically like, what if we didn't do that and we looked at it like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you made a good point whenever you said, um, thinking the same right so i think um i i think it comes down to like ideal client right so i i don't think i don't think ideal client is no longer when i whenever i ask people hey who's your ideal client they start naming off demographics mm-hmm. and uh i think ideal client is all about what's what's a common belief among the group of people um, regardless of demographics. So like I totally get uh, wanting diversity and whatnot, but I think it all comes down to common belief. Um, so yeah, that that's a very good point. Mm. So speaking of diversity, um, you're involved in uh, a startup that uh, I don't know if you're an investor or, or what, I, I wasn't like clear on it, but this is a, a woman-led business. What made you want to invest in women in that way? Was that a factor or did you just really like the idea? What, what does that mean for you? Uh, we're referring to the CBD company, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'll be completely transparent. It had nothing to do with the fact that it was woman owned business. Which is, um, which is kind of yeah. cool, actually. Which yeah. is like, you know, regardless of who was running it, you, you liked the business and yeah, it, it, to me it was it was uh, okay. First of all, I'm a, a big fan of CBD um, as as a consumer. 
Um, and also as an investor and marketing person, like, I think, I think that is, uh, there, it's a positive future, I think. Um, but the reason I made that deal with them, so I am an investor. Um, I also do, uh, as part of the deal, I consult on the marketing. Uh, but the reason I, I partnered with them was not because it is that they're women, uh, I, which I think is great. Um, but it was because. Uh, I, I, it's really three things. One, I believe in the product, right? So like, I'm a big believer in CBD. Um, and also I know, I think the industry is going places Two, Uh, I, they had already done a really good job of the brand. So I love the brand that they already established. And then three, regardless of whether they are women, um, they are all talented. And they, ha they all are very, very smart, business-minded people. So, um, so those, are the, those are the really the, the three reasons why I decided to partner with this company. What, what excites you about the, the cannabis space? Um, it's a, it's, you know, okay, so just I'll talk about it from a personal and then from a business perspective. So personal, yeah. for me personally, it's done wonders for me. Um, so just kind of go into, I'll just, uh, again, being transparent, like I have, I get like a little bit of social anxiety in certain situations. Um, I'm not shy or timid or anything. I just certain situations I get social anxiety. Um, and so like it, it's helped with that aspect where other things have not. Um, and I've tried, you know, other, other things. I've tried other holistic things. I've tried like, um, more traditional medicine type of stuff. But uh, this is the thing that's worked the best. And also I have like some sleep issues that it's worked wonders with. Um, so that's for me personally. Um, I'm just a big, big fan of CBD and cannabis uh, just uh, from a from a consumer consumer perspective. From a business perspective, I just it, it's I think we're just at a, an upward trend. So like things are starting to get legalized everywhere. Um, we, you know even though the, the business I'm in is just CBD, it's not THC. Um, and for, for those listening, uh, layman's terms is <laughs> the THC is part of the part of the plan that makes you high. Yeah. <laughs> um, so CBD, even though the business that I'm in is just CBD, just can't the cannabis industry as a whole is, is becoming legalized um, just nationally in this country. And I think it's becoming more widely accepted as a natural, um, as a natural remedy. And so with that trend, um, among, among the, the consumers, it, that's always a business opportunity. And so that, that's, that's why from a, from a business perspective. I, I think that, I mean, cannabis has always been a thing. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. there's always been this subculture and now that it's becoming like super mainstream and they're legalizing it. I think more and more people are becoming educated on like the, the medicinal properties. I think years ago, if you were to talk about them, people would assume that you were some type of weirdo hippie or something. But now mm -hmm. like people, like, I mean, there've been studies, people can show you medical journals and so on and so forth. What do you think changed in the public consciousness that makes cannabis like so much more acceptable now? Uh, that's a good question. Um, uh, lobbyist. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it's political. Um, my right opinion, back to marketing. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's marketing and, and, and political. I think it's just, we got the right people up in, in the right, uh, political, uh, political positions. And I think that that's the biggest difference in my opinion. Um, I mean, this is a debatable thing, but that's, yeah. that's, that's what I think. Yeah the the thc component um like you know i think that people have harped on for for so long i think has been like demonized for the for the longest time mm -hmm. and i mean when you when you look at the comparisons between cannabis and alcohol it's it's not even close but alcohol has been legal like a, a lot longer and then I think the the other cool thing is you have uh, you have very prominent people, you have celebrities, you have um, politicians, you have uh, influencers who 
who aren't losers by any stretch of the imagination, who participate, who smoke cannabis. You have um, guys like um, Bill Maher, who have been proponents of marijuana for decades. And I think that over time fought off the the idea that weed is for like, you know, just lazy guys that smoke in their parents' basement and they never do anything with themselves and it's a gateway drug and all the stuff <laughs> that people have proven um, untrue. And now that everything is becoming legal and we understand it's unstoppable now, we're still waiting for the whole federal thing. But now that it's legal and everything's going the way it's going, where do you where do you see this? Where do you see this going? How excited? What excites you most about that space in regards to the the potential? Once it's legal federally, it's in every state. What do you think is happening next in the the cannabis space? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think there's huge medicinal um, benefits. Um, I think people already know this, but I think I think it will be more widely accepted as a medicinal. Uh, solution that's that's um i'm, I'm more of a, I'm, a, I'm a holistic guy um uh, just generally speaking i i like to i like to do things holistically and naturally before i do things that are not um not that i'm against medicine i think there's a place mm. for it um but i think um you know cannabis is 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 natural it's holistic so um i think i think the medicine the once it becomes legalized even more and more i think it's going to be more widely accepted as a medicinal option, but also just, this is a very interesting thing because back on what you were saying versus alcohol, it's, it, it is a much different uh, drug. You can say, I think alcohol is a drug in my opinion. It is definitely a drug. Um, and, and I, alcohol is way more dangerous, I think, um, versus cannabis. And so, I, I and, and I know I'm fully aware that people have different experiences, but like I don't know about you, but I whenever I use cannabis, I'm aware of what's going on. I'm aware of my surroundings. I I know what's going on. Like, but but with alcohol, like you can easily just black out, and and that's a very da dangerous situation. And so, and also, um, I I don't think it lasts as long so like even when you've <laughs> when you've had too much uh it, it doesn't last as long uh, versus compared to alcohol and so i think i think once this this becomes more legalized more widely accepted i i'm going to predict that there's going to be a reduction in alcoholism in my opinion which yeah. i think is good right nobody would argue that uh, of course, except for, except for maybe alcohols, alcohol. I mean, I would, uh, alcoholics. I'll say, say reduction in uh, opioids as well. Um, opioids, I don't know if yeah. you're, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan. I was back in the day, but not not so much. Yeah, way back when I was a kid. But um, there's a wrestler named uh, Rob Van Dam who um, I don't know if you're familiar with him as a guy. He's actually recently come out as like this big. Uh, spokesman or proponent for for cannabis legalization mm. and um he was actually let go from the wwe because of cannabis i guess he was called weed i guess there was arrest or something like that and he basically talked about how he felt like the cannabis is what helped him deal with his injuries instead mm -hmm. of going to pop some pills he he smoked mm -hmm. there were no ill after effects there was no addiction there was nothing that he needed to get rehab for and on the flip side there was no depression he mm -hmm. didn't he didn't have to feel bad about feeling better if if that makes sense and he yep. was saying that he feels like if weed or cannabis or however you want to put it was legalized there'd be a lot less like, you know, addictions, there'd be a lot less violence, there'd be a lot less, uh, whether it be domestic violence or anything like that. I think the criminalization of weed has created a whole slew of, uh, I guess, side effects that people didn't see. And hopefully, if they go ahead and legalize it, we'll see reductions in crime and all of the other stuff. When was the last time anyone bought 
a bottle of liquor out of like somebody's trunk. You know what I mean? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. I think, I think depression rates will go, will go down. Um, and therefore, yeah. it, uh, therefore suicides. Um, I think there's a, you know, there's a positive correlation there and, and crime as well. So yeah, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a, 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 quite a few benefits for sure. For sure. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I was just buzzing somebody in. So the I don't know how deep you want to go into this because, like, I don't know if you want to if you're open to the getting political or whatever. Some people shy away from that sort of thing. Um, yeah, we can talking about the the criminalization of uh, cannabis. How do you feel about, um, I guess, once they legalize it, everyone who's been arrested due to cannabis basically being let go or being freed? Some people argue that they did break the law at the time, whether it was unjust or just, they did break the law, so they should stay in there. Other people are like, well, if it's legal now, they paid their debt to society, they should be let go. Jail should be for violent offenders and not people who who need help. Addicts mm -hmm. should be treated like you know. So, what are your thoughts on I guess the quote unquote drug war and how it it pertains to I guess day to day business as uh someone who's in the business of cannabis and CBD and so on and so forth. Yeah, th that's a super debatable thing. Um, I myself go back and forth on that, especially on the ones like if they legalize it, but they got they're in jail for that exact reason um I, you know I, my opinion again it's just an opinion i think it all depends on the <clears throat> I, I think it depends on the intent of when they were uh imprisoned so like if it's just a if someone if someone went to went to jail for um uh, and got charged for just like use you know what i mean like they're just a user and it was like pretty small game i think like time served is good i think they i think they deserve to like just be like okay time served you're free right but if the intent was uh like if they if they if they uh let's just say it gets completely legalized um and if the person that got got charged if they were a like the dealer right and they were like the dealer of like a big region and whatnot i think that's different because it's it's uh the intent is not to just use right for medicinal purposes or whatever purpose you want um the intent was i'm going to try to put as much of this e quote-unquote illegal product um into the community as much as possible and make a profit um, I think that that's a little bit different. Now, I'm not saying that person still needs to stay in jail or not. I don't like. I don't know. That would require some more thinking on my part. All I'm saying is that that's a that's a much different case versus just someone who just got caught with a bag of weed. You know what I mean? I, I think someone smarter than me is, should figure that out. Definitely <laughs> on the so on AKA the not side. politicians. <laughs> yeah. On the flip side, I don't know. I'm I say someone smarter than me. I don't necessarily mean a politician because I don't always agree with that. But um the the tough part for me is if you get arrested for selling cannabis and you get out of jail and legally now even though cannabis is legal, you cannot sell cannabis. It's kind of like, dude, this is what mm. I do though. Yeah. I'm very, very good at selling cannabis and it's legal now. And nine mm -hmm. times out of 10, you're someone who's disenfranchised or a person of color. So it's like, I couldn't really wait for you guys to figure out that this wasn't like a bad thing. I understand what I did was illegal, but I mean, I don't think they retroactively threw bootleggers in jail. So Is that what I would doing say, now? Hey, you, they're, they? uh, no well is that what they're doing like so if you get out like they're saying you can't yeah. go back and do that if you have a if you have a felony you're not allowed to participate in basically getting a license or yeah you know it's legal 
Mm. Yeah. I, I think it depends on the state, but I think that's a, I think that's happening most places. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a super highly regulated industry for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's it's tricky. And then the people in the yeah. space where it's just like, I think someone should really sit down and figure that out because I feel like a lot of people, um, a lot of good people are going to go to jail over, you know, technicalities between like mm. state and federal and all that other nonsense. You know, you know, there's a way around that though. Like, let's just say, I mean, the law is the law and sometimes you just can't do anything about it. Right. Mm. Um, sometimes you can, but, uh, let's just say like someone got out and they say, Oh, because you're a felon, uh, you can't, you can't sell this because you can't, cause you can't get licensing and whatnot. I think there's ways around that. If, if somebody wants to make money in that industry, they can be like, and I don't, again, I don't know the exact law around this particular thing I'm about to say, but I think they should be able to, to be a, become a consultant. You know what I mean? Like, so they can help other, uh, other basically cannabis, uh, dispensaries or whatever. Um, and, and just consult, right? And just charge a consulting fee. Um, th- I, to me, that's a way around around uh, the law, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. But I, but again, disclaimer, I don't know what the exact yeah. law is in regards to that, but that sounds like a workaround. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the war on drugs originally had certain, certain um, bigoted or, or racist origins, if, if you look into it. Like, I mean, yeah. it was a way to, to further disenfranchise certain people. So I think now that we're kind of figuring out, hey, like everything we said about this is inaccurate. And you know what? CBD does help people. It does help sick people. It helps people that, I mean, anxiety may not be a, a sickness or illness to some people, but it is a condition and some people do struggle with it. If you can get relief from this, and it's not hurting anyone. What's the problem here? I I agree with you yeah. for sure. Yeah. I I don't I don't I don't. Yeah, I'm 100% agreement with you on that. I'm like, if there's all this benefit, you know what the yeah. you know what the you know what the issue is. I think it's it's two things. It's money what? and politics. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, I'm they're figuring out now how to how to tax marijuana. Um, some states have like situations where, or arrangements where they, they are dedicating a certain percentage of the licenses to people of color and disenfranchised people and people from certain areas. So I think there are positive changes being made and, and things are going in the right direction. So, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully agree. all of that, all of that does get, does get figured out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I know there's, uh, when it comes to people of color, um, me being included with that, um, you know, there's definitely some, it's a very unfortunate world, but we definitely have to go through some hoops, you know, uh, officially and unofficially. Yeah. Yeah. So it sucks. (laughs) So to bring everything full circle and I I didn't want to like, you know, monopolize too much of your time. Uh, you were talking early on when we first started the conversation about like, you know, working all these odd jobs and like, you know, trying to figure out what fit and so on and so forth. You got to a point where you just decided, Hey, I was already doing this side hustle. I might as well double down on it. What made you feel safe enough? I mean, you are an entrepreneur, you, whether or not you consciously made the decision to be that, or if it's just something that happened out of necessity. At what point did you feel like, hey, it's it's time? Uh, to be specific, February 6, 2015 at 2 p.m. Super, that was super specific. <laughs> yeah, that was actually when I got fired from the last job that I ever had. Um, so it, it was actually more of necessity, really, because up until that point, I didn't know any. I did not know anything about business. I did not know anything about marketing, didn't know anything about selling. And so I, I had actually, I got fired from my job, the last job on February 6th, um, which was a Friday, I think. Um, 
And I actually tried to apply at different, I had decided, okay, I want to try to become a web developer as a career because I've been dabbling on it with it on the side. And so I was like, I want to try to do this as a career. So I actually applied at a bunch of different marketing agencies to, to become a web developer, web designer, and I could not get an interview. And that was because on paper, I'm the worst applicant ever at that point. Because yeah. I, I my imagine. degree, yeah, my degree is in IT, which I never used. Um, all of my experience had nothing to do with marketing or web services. Um, and also, I worked eight different jobs in 10 years. So it's like worst applicant ever, on uh, worst mm. resume ever. So I, I kind of had to do it at a necessity. And, uh, I had to make money. And so I was just like, I'm going to give this thing a, and give it a go. And I, you know, I, I quickly figured out that I am the type of person when my back is up against the wall, I, man, I like my, I don't know, something comes out of me where I'm like this, like, I'm like a survival machine. mode. Yeah. Survival. Like, I wish I was like this all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, or I was like that all the time, but, um, because I, be, I become super productive. I also am really good at just figuring things out. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, at the time it was complete necessity for sure. It was, it was for sure a blessing in disguise that I did get fired. Mm. Um, because I don't know, like, I truly don't know if I had got, if I had not gotten fired, if I would have actually gone out, gone out on my own. Mm. Um, and so I'm super grateful. I, yeah, I mean, it was super emotional. I was t- super pissed at my boss at the time because, uh, you know, I got fired. Like, no notice, no severance, no nothing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it worked out. So, like, four years later, I grew my agency and sold it, and, and here I am. So, Well, congratulations, first off, on, on you selling your agency. I mean the the thing you said about somehow figuring out how to maintain that same hunger when everything is going great is something i feel like most entrepreneurs struggle with because mm-hmm. when when things are tough when my back's against the wall i also become super productive i become sharper I, i'm on point i work harder um i feel like i become the best version of myself out of necessity and i struggle sometimes to find a way to maintain that despite the, I guess, the immediate necessity for it. Yep. Or like, I mean, were there ways you found to, I guess, keep you, you hungry? Like one funny story I have is, um, I do this all the time, but I never heard anyone talk about it until I watched, um, the documentary, the last dance with Michael Jordan. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he said he would like sort of, make up things in his head and like like pretend players said disrespectful things to him just so he can make it personal and and push himself so i i make up these these slights sometimes where i'm just like oh yeah he thinks he thinks we're gonna fail or i i have to constantly (laughs) like compete and and find ways to like bring that that spirit out of me like where were there tricks you used or I, I would, uh, you know, it's so funny is I, I would actually do the opposite <laughs> mm-hmm. because I, uh, so I don't, I don't know, like I, I'm an introvert and so mm-hmm. I, I don't like social situations. I don't like, I, I don't like that, but I, I had to put myself out there whenever, you know, whenever I become an entrepreneur, a business owner, like you just have to, because you're, you're the number one salesperson of your own company. Mm-hmm. And so the to so your solution was to tell your stuff to tell yourself like these these different stories right um that's where i actually got in trouble with myself doing that because what happened is uh so i i remember one particular story it was my first like i i went to a local networking event i think it was at the local chamber of commerce very first event i ever did as a business owner to like put myself out there. Cause like, yeah. h- how else are you going to sell? And I remember driving there on my way there and I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. And the story I put in my head was people are going to think I am the weirdest person. They're not, they're, they're not going to like me. Um, why would they, why would they give me money to do, to build them a website? Because like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a weird 
personality or like like it was just like these stupid stories i put in my head about what i thought people might think of me and and that right there uh actually it, it goes against me because then like on the way there i was thinking okay i'm not gonna go to this thing i almost turned around i just about like i even took the exit mm. and i said i'm not going to this thing the thing, really, quite honestly, the thing that, that kept me going was I don't, I don't have any money. Like, I was broke. I was, I was broke at the time. Like, I was like, right. I need money. And so that was, on it, quite honestly, I don't have a trick for that. Um, that was the thing that I needed to do. Back to, to survival to mode. Go. Yeah, back to survival mode. And it was, it was, uh, that was the thing that got me to actually go there. But like, but putting stories in my head uh, is actually, it doesn't work for me because I think worst case scenario in my head and 99.9999% of the time, the stories I put in my head are completely untrue. Mm. And so, and, and, and I swear this is, this is what it's like for most people whenever they put stories in their head. Um, I think it's a Brene Brown thing. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with her. Um, but if you put story in your head, you, you, you think worst case scenario, but like, it's honestly, it's not a true story, but that's, you keep telling yourself that. And then you think it's true. If you tell yourself that over and over again. Yeah. So, is a powerful thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, um, yeah, survival mode. And then survival mode got me to a point where I finally built up confidence and then my confidence just took over. So nice. I'm, awesome. I, yeah, I'm no longer in uh, survival mode now. It's just like, okay, I'm just confident myself. Yeah. So and this goes back to I went full circle. I wish I had known about CBD and cannabis back then, because I swear to you, if I had known about it, uh, or at least, I, I mean, I did know about it, but if I had known all the medicinal benefits to it, yeah. I think I would have gained my confidence way, way before I, I actually did. And so, um, Anyways, yeah, so I thought that was kind of a, a cool full circle to, yeah. to bring around there. Awesome. And, I mean, I guess that's an awesome way to, to close out. I mean, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out to, to sit down and talk to me. Um, yeah, congrats again me. on selling your business, and thanks for giving me some insight on um, what you think about marketing and um, the future of CBD and all of that. Um, I, I definitely want to run this back. I'll, I'll shoot you an email and everything, but I definitely want to touch on a couple more topics. Thanks for yeah, joining Yeah, for sure. Me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. I appreciate it. All right. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Catalyst Case. This is Reg, and you're listening to Thought Hack.